continue in our series on the book of Galatians and trying to navigate this short book in a lot of ways, but very tough book. Paul doesn't speak eloquently a lot of times in this book. He kind of starts and stops and, you know, sometimes we as readers are going, wait, what did you wait? Did you go on to something new? Did you, is this continuing on? I mean, you all should be pros at that because you're used to being. Sometimes there's nice, loving, good flow and transition. Other times it's buck, duck, 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 and you're left going, did he go on or did he stay put? That's a lot of what happens in the book of Galatians. A lot of starting and stopping. What does he mean? What does he not mean? Did he start something new? And, and we're left kind of wondering. His original hearers in Galatia would have picked this up. They knew what Paul was doing. We're so many years later. That it would be hard for us to fill that up. And that's why I'm taking two weeks on this passage, because there's a lot there. And I hope you, if you need a review, if you weren't here last week, and watch us online last week, go online. All right? Uh, you can pick up audio only, or you can pick up a video uh, with things. However, it is best suitable uh, for you with that, and uh, you can do that. But, you know, we live in a world that has changed a lot, but yet one of the things that is constant in all of the world, across all of the ages, is this idea of who is God? Is there a God? And if there is a God, who is this God? And that's a lot of what the, what the book of Galatians kind of teaches, is who is God? That's why every week, for uh, those of you who are in person, here with us, there's a section in your kind of handout that says, you know, uh, observations about God, self-scripture, it still says Christmas, I'll change that this week. Um, you know, but Christmas comes every day, you know, I can make an argument with that. But general observations. Also, for those of you who are in person, I tried the bottom to give you some resources that I interact with a lot. So if you wanted to pick those up, or go deeper, or kind of figure out where I kind of get some thoughts from, you can, because I'll be honest, there's nothing original with what I preach. I just package it in a way that's me. But there's nothing original with my understanding of Scripture. I, I stand upon the giants of faith from the time of Paul beyond. And my job as pastor, one of my jobs is to do the studying for you to some extent, but I'm going to give you how the resources so you can also test and see. So you can search the scripture. Some of these are more technical, like the, the one on uh, by Moo, okay, Galatians, Baker Academic. That's a technical commentary. The first one by N.T. Ray, that's one of the ones I love because anybody can understand it. Okay, you don't have to have a lot of background information. And so I just kind of want to give you the resources so you can grow in your faith beyond just our Sunday morning. But one of the questions about God is, is God approachable? You know, maybe there is a God, and I'm assuming, I'm going to make an assumption, I'm not going to try to prove that God exists this morning, but the question is, is God approachable? There are some in our world that says, you know what, there is a God, but I can't know that God, and that God is not approachable. 
He's too distant for me to come to him. He's too far out there. I hope however I live now is good enough someday. And that may seem foreign, but I will say there are times by how we live, we answer this question as is, no, God isn't really approachable. He may be God, but it doesn't matter what happens day to day. The answer of Scripture is that God is approachable to all. You can't approach God. I mean, that is from the very beginning of Scripture into the very end. We see a God that is approachable by you and by me. I mean, think about some of the stories that are taught downstairs. Adam and Eve. They got to approach God. Actually, God approached them. You know, in the evening. And this is where we get the song in the garden. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he calls me his own or tells me his, his, which one is it? Tell me or calls me his own. You don't know me? Okay, I was hoping for, you know, maybe one of you others, you know. Tells me, okay. You know, tells me his own, calls me his own. They're very similar ideas. Uh, I do that a lot. I mix up what the real words are uh, with that. Jeff does too, right, Jeff? You know, why we work well together. One of the many reasons. You know, but God is approaching. That's what we need to be telling our world that there is not only is there God, but God is approachable. The question really is, is how do we approach God? How do we come to God? And there are worlds apart in the answers to this. Galatians 2. 15 through 21, is going to answer that question for us. Because I believe, and I believe Paul is saying here, justification, the idea of being justified in Christ, is the answer to the question of how do we approach God. If we can understand this idea of biblical justification, we will be transformed. If we can truly start to get this a little bit different, we've been singing about it. But if we can understand what justification really is, I think it has a way of transforming all of life. So the question is this morning, what is biblical justification? Not just justification in a sense. Though our world has a sense of justice, a sense of being justified. Our question isn't how does the world define it, but how does Scripture define it? How does Scripture say what justification is? For there is our hope. There is what we need to do. Absolutely, Owen, that was an amen. You guys didn't know. Remember, I speak baby. That's why Joyce calls me a two-year-old. Right, Joyce? All right. So, you know, uh, but that was an amen preaching, all right? So here, I'm going to answer this question. And I believe when we have a good, start to get a good grasp of it, this will change how we see ourselves, how we see others, and how we live in this world. And I think we need this more than ever. This wasn't just 
something that was good in the time of Reformation 500 some years ago. Though it is this passage of scripture that Luther really got his idea of justification. Really got the idea that something needed to be corrected. And I think we need to have another correction to some extent. And I hope this will help. So as we read in here, I'm going to highlight what I believe this, this passage teaches us about justification. And first and foremost, justification is a gift from God. You do not earn justification. Actually, I think I missed a slide. Let me go back. Sorry. Justification concerns our standing and our status before God. That's important. That's why I went back. Or did you do that for me? It was all me? Okay. So it, justification concerns how you approach God. Can you go before God and be accepted or not? What is your standing? What is your status? We understand this in a legal sense to say, don't we? If you have a trial, you, we say we want justice by trial. We want to know what someone's standing and status is according to the law, according to life. And either they're guilty or not guilty. Their status. And justification throughout all of Scripture is about how we stand before God. There's an assumption that we are going to go before God. Now, how do you do that? What is your status before God? What is your standing before God? See, I know some Christians that they, they can sing, they understand this idea of how big God is. And so when they come to God, they kind of cower. Because you're just afraid if you're not careful, he's just going to go, bang! Adios. And, and we would argue, he's allowed, right? He's God. But if, if this is our idea of who God is, we want to approach him and say, hi, it's me, please don't hurt me today. We're missing biblical justification, even Old Testament, I would argue. Because justification is a gift. He says here that it is through faith in Christ, verse 16. And we know that no one can be declared righteous. Uh, I, I translate this, this word justification, declared righteous. Okay? They're the very same meaning within this. Okay? Being declared righteous before God by anything you can do. It is by being declared righteous and being justified in Christ. He says in verse 16, 17. And what we see is whether or not God does this act. When Paul wrote this, he wrote it in a way that says, this is what God can do. He can declare you righteous. The question is, is how will he declare you righteous? What was the point of the law, he asked. Do we need to keep the law, is the argument here, especially circumcision. Do you have to keep the, the old identity marker of righteousness and justification? And Paul says, no, because the law was never about being able to say, hey, God, I've done all this right, so now you must justify me. The law was, you are the people of God. I have given you the gift of righteousness. I've given you the gift of justification. Now act like it. Which is why we had the law. 
And Paul would say, he's, if there's anybody who could, by the works of the law, by righteousness, by human law, giving standards, could be proven good, it would be him. Yet, that's not the case. Actually, the word that is described as law here, among many that I read, it's really kind of this idea of legalism. See, because sometimes we read law and we just think Old Testament, which is true. But it's this idea of legalism. And because that's what the law meant for a lot of the Jews. It was this legalistic way, especially for a Pharisee, right versus wrong. And as Ron Flutter reminded us on Wednesday, I think there was like 619 laws. You know, now, did, does everyone have to know those? I mean, I don't know about you, Larry, but uh, you probably haven't uh, thought about uh, killing someone today, have you? Not yet. I better remember not to pick on him because he, he, he likes to, he's looking around like, hmm. you know, no. Most of us don't have to wake up and make sure we don't do that. Okay? Most of us don't have to do that. But see, they started to put other things in place to make sure that we could be proven right according to the law. So, uh, you know, one of the ideas was Sabbath. What was work? Well, depends on who you ask. Because it wasn't just about the law for the Pharisees. It wasn't just keep the Sabbath day holy. It was, hey, let's take about ten steps back. So you don't even get close to keeping the Sabbath. But if you break this law back here, you've broken the Sabbath. Jesus got himself in trouble with that. Why? Because how dare you do good in the idea of healing somebody on a day on a Saturday, which is the Sabbath. That's work, Jesus. Don't do any work. You see where we start to get them? A legalistic way of defining life. Do we have that issue in 2022? We can. You know, we can have that issue. And if we realize that justification is a gift from God, then we don't have to be legalistic in our approach to God. If I think church attendance is important. Okay? I think normal Bible study is important. But I cannot stand here and say, if you are not in church in some way, shape, and form every week, you cannot approach God, because if you do approach God, you deserve condemnation. That is not biblical justification. Do I think it's more greatly important? Yes. It's not a requirement for you to approach God. Because then what happens? We can have a lot of people attend church, read the Bible, serve on even maybe the mission field, but never know God because they're trying to work it and they fail to see justification as a gift. Justification is also a switching of identity. Notice what Paul says here in 20 and 21. He says, uh, 19. Start at 19. Though through the law, I died for the law. This idea that he tried to be justified, declared righteous by the law, so he, he died to it as a means of getting him justified before Christ. He says that I might live in God. There was a switching going on that became important. It was either law Living for the law or living for God? 
He says, I am crucified with Christ. I don't live, but Christ lives in me. You get that? He has switched his identity all of a sudden, did he not? I don't live anymore. It's not about Paul. It's about Christ. But it lives in me. But if I live in the body, I live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, who gave himself up for me. There's a switching of identity. What became most important was who is Christ. Being declared righteous in Christ. Why? Because he gave himself up out of his love. And so Paul would say, if you are in Christ, you can boldly go before the throne. You don't need to cower because you're like, I am in Christ. Christ lives in me, not me. I die. I've been crucified with him. Sometimes in our work of getting people to become Christian, to believe in Christ, we, we can easily, and I'm guilty of this time and time again, talking about the benefits of being in Christ, but not saying, will you be crucified with Christ? Will you die and allow him to rebuild you? Because that's justification. I must die. The problem with that is I don't like pain. I don't know any of you that do. We don't like pain. So I really maybe don't even want to die, let alone be crucified, which was the most Rule way of death that I believe has probably almost ever existed. There are others that probably come close. But the Romans had a way of making it the most excruciating, to some extent where we get our word excruciating is from crucifixion, pain and turmoil, where typically they would finally break their legs wide an act of mercy so you can at least stop breathing. You know how messed up that sounds when I say that? But that was it. And what Paul is saying, we need to get to the point where we will allow ourselves to be crucified with Christ so Christ can live because he is alive and well. It is a switching of identity. And if we get this, being justified will transform all of daily life. That's what Paul says in those verses I just quoted. You can't earn that. The law was never meant so someone could say, hey, look how good I am, God. There was always a switching of identity that transformed daily life. Because if I'm a good Jew and I go to the temple because I've realized I've messed up, my identity is going to get placed on that animal. And because they provide me with that, that justification before God, I can now live differently the rest of the day. That's what we do with Christ. Because I'm in Christ, I'm going to allow him to swallow up my identity so I can live different today. Knowing that when I approach God, He will go, You are in my Son. So you are welcome. So how do you get there? Faith. It's what Paul says about faith or belief. He talks about faith in Christ Jesus, verse 16. 
And over and over, he talks about faith, faith, faith. You know, but as I said last week, faith isn't just a mental assent. We're saying, I know this to be true. Uh, as we read in our devotions this week, we read James 2.19. It says, you believe there is one God. Same word for faith is used in Elster, okay? Even the demons believe that and shudder. I can assent that Jesus is Lord, and I can even be afraid that he is Lord, but it doesn't mean I have a saving faith and I am justified in Christ. It just means I believe something like, I believe that light outside is the sun. And I can be scared of it because I'm pale and I'm redheaded, and I know if I'm too much in the sun, I become a lobster. All right? And then I hurt for days that's not going to save me from anything. That's a faith. It's a good faith. That's a good belief. It's a protective belief. In fact, you can go out, and here's what Paul's point is. You can do good things based on that belief, but that doesn't mean you are justified and declared righteous in how you live. So faith being the door into justification, it is a faith that is whole body. Mind, body, soul, emotions, the way we think. Because if we understand who we are in Christ, then when our emotions tell us we're not good enough, we say, uh-uh, not going there. Because I am good enough in Christ. You're right. It's not about me being good enough. It's about Christ being good enough. When you start to think, or someone tells you you'll never amount to anything, you can say, wait, stop. In Christ, I amount to something. Because I am a heir with Jesus. I have a future because of Jesus. When we understand who we are in Christ, then we can go and do things others won't do. Running into darkness. Caring for the sick, the poor. Being willing to forego things because of who Christ is. We act differently. See, if our faith is only just, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord, we miss being justified. Fred Groschel, many years ago, probably close to 20 now, wrote a book called Christian Atheists. Believing in Christ, but acting as if it doesn't happen. And I've seen that time and time again in my own life and in the lives of others. They call themselves believers, but we don't act like it. And that's why I think this idea of being justified in Christ is so important. Because, see, Paul will say, if you get justification in Christ, if you understand that you can approach God because of who Christ is, and you can approach him without being scared of being, you know, squawked, smacked like a fly, or stepped on like an ant, then you will change life. But he goes on to say then this, at the end of, of verse 21, the end of chapter 2. He basically asked this question, what value is Christ to you, plural and individual, us, 
to not pointing God's grace. Not, not saying the grace of God doesn't matter. For if you can be declared righteous by works, by your own workings, even if it's a good thing as the law is and was. I mean, Catholic, is there anything bad about don't murdering? No, is there anything bad about not stealing? You know, there's really nothing bad about that, right? You know, these aren't bad things. The grace of Christ doesn't say, well, murdering is no longer bad. No! Stealing is no longer bad. No! But those things aren't what really matters and matters. He says, you can't, don't try to nullify God's grace by living as if you have something to offer. If you can do it on your own. For if you can be righteous, justified, by works, then Christ's death has no meaning, has no purpose. And in a book that is going, how Jewish do we have to be to follow Jesus? The question is the same question that we as believers have to do there. What value can we place on Christ? The higher the value, the more our lives should be different. The lower the value, we will live as if it doesn't matter. Notice that also, though, what Paul is arguing against is not just the world in general. They can't understand the value of Christ. We expect them not to act as if Christ matters, because they don't have Christ in them. It's about us who have Christ in us. Do we nullify God's grace by how we live? Do we nullify God's grace by what we demand of others? Do we nullify God's grace by trying to believe that if we just sing the right songs and, and read the right version of scripture and we, we go to the right Bible studies and we go to church and we give our money and we give of our time and we give of our resources, then, then finally we will be able to approach God. Or do we say, those things are important, but only because I have been given the gift of Christ. And I want to show that that is valuable to me. Do you see the difference? It's hard, I admit. But if we understand the fact that we are already justified before God, then I don't have to shrink back. We can pray bold prayers as we pray. We can pray that God, the great physician, would heal people. We can pray that the Prince of Peace would be the priest. Peace and the prince, and the priest. Because of the gift, because we value Christ that much. And I pray, not because that earns me a strike in God's eyes. I pray because God's called and justified me. So I want to approach him. I want to know him more. And by doing so, we show the world that our God is greater our God is higher. Our God is more powerful than any other God. I show them that I can, you, we, we can change our identities, switch them, and that's not a bad thing. And so, my prayer for myself, my prayer for our church every week, sometimes daily, 
is that we would be so much encompassed and surrounded by the identity of Christ that people forget who I am. And only remember him. That people forget who First Baptist St. Paris is because they just see the Christ that we are so much about. That people would really confuse the two but forget us. And in there we find God. In there we find that. And you know what? We can be different. So I just ask what value do you place on Christ today? Will you allow him to be found in you? Submit once again to him? Will you allow his identity to become your identity? Will you allow yourself to be crucified with Christ so that you may rise to life in Christ? Those are questions we ask. And if so, then I think what we will find is that when we realize we are in Christ, it's less about what we do and more about loving him. And then we will do things differently. They will come. Because if we believe in justification as Scripture teaches and faith as Scripture teaches, then we realize that both of these things isn't just something we think about, it is something we live out. And that's why Paul continues on about how we live based on the fact that we are justified, declared righteous in Christ. We pray with me, Father God, I thank you for this time. I hope that there's been some semblance of sense and meaning and understanding. Lord, that you have shown up in a way that only you can. Lord, that we would be reminded that as we understand who you are and who we are in you, that we would truly be okay being underneath and beneath the cross of Christ. That we would be willing to be crucified with Christ so that we wouldn't live, but that he would live in us and us in him. And so, Lord, I ask that you would do the work that only you can do. Lord, as your spirit is roaming in this place and swelling up within us, that we would obey the spirit, whatever the cost may be, knowing that when we do so, we are showing life. Life is men. We don't obey to try to earn our way to you. We obey because you have made us right in Christ too. So Lord, I thank you for the gift of justification, the gift of Christ that saves even this day. Lord, I just thank you and love you and pray this in the name of all things, the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. Will you stand as we sing this hymn beneath the cross?